I don't know if you've ever thought this, but it has seemed to me at times that some of the hardest readings come when I'm scheduled to preach. (laughs) The Amos reading is God is going to get them because they're so self-obsessed with pleasure. And then Jesus has this extended story and the overall setting is hell. I grew up in a church where fire and brimstone sermons were not unusual. And I can remember as a boy I would shudder when a visiting evangelist would come and announce his text and say, turn to Luke chapter 16 because I knew what was coming next. He would continue by quoting the line around which his whole sermon would revolve and the old King James Version is still burned in my brain and in hell. He lifted up his eyes. Now, it's not popular, but it's true that the church still believes and teaches about hell. Preaching about hell is not inappropriate. Seems like it's seldom done. But when it is, we need to understand it's secondary. That's not what's most important. God's glory is so great that to turn our backs on God, something horribly great, is the alternative. Great as in big and awesome and so bad we don't want to think about it. And so we take hell seriously because the salvation that is offered to us in Jesus Christ is such a gracious alternative. The purpose of this story given by our Lord is not just to elaborate on hell. It tells us why one man found himself in hell. It's a story that warns us not to make the choice that this man made, which raises the question, why would anyone choose hell? Well, of course, most people do not explicitly make that choice. Hell is chosen passively by repeatedly and stubbornly choosing other things instead of God. So what kinds of things? Well, we have a stereotypical list of mortal sins, but you know, nothing is said about this man, this rich man, being sexually immoral. It doesn't say that he made his wealth by running an abortion clinic. This is the story of a man who chooses hell by choosing to do nothing. In that day in culture, it was common to wipe greasy hands on chunks of bread and then toss that bread to the dogs. If you have a lot of bread, you could practice that with the chicken barbecue today, (laughs) if you have a dog. Well, that was the bread that Lazarus waited for at the gate. And it seems that the rich man was well aware of Lazarus. The first mention of him in the story is the the rich man calls his name. So maybe he thought that he was a good guy simply because he left Lazarus alone. He didn't call to have him hauled off to jail because he was such an eyesore at his doorway. So the rich man was not especially cruel. He just lived his own life and let Lazarus live his. 
And that is how the rich man chose hell. Because mortal sin is not limited to acts of violence or illegitimate sex. Sin is not limited to crude and repugnant people. One of the ways to understand the essence of sin is selfishness. Always putting oneself first. Living as though others do not matter in comparison to me. And it seemed not to matter one way or the other to the rich man that Lazarus lay at his gate. The rich man was too comfortable to care. He didn't have to worry about Lazarus being hungry. He went to bed full every night with the best food that was available. He gave no thought to the rags with which Lazarus tried to cover himself. He was handsomely dressed in the best clothing available. He was not worried about Lazarus' sores because he was so healthy. So this warning is not limited to people whose lives qualify for lifestyles of the rich and famous. That's probably not even on TV anymore, but there are many other programs that exalt the same values. In Jesus' day, a rich person was just someone who was able to live comfortably not only had enough to eat, but a wide variety of foods, someone who lived in a relatively carefree, secure environment with nice possessions, someone who had different clothes for different occasions, someone who could enjoy social life with the people of his own choosing. Sounds a lot like what many of us in America Middle America, upper middle class America is, takes for granted. Uh, we're rich, as Jesus would have used the term, but we have this mental block with rich, and so let's not use that. Let's, let's look at this word comfortable. Comfortable people have discretionary income. What do we do with our income that goes beyond what it basically takes to live? If we spend it all on ourselves, we're like this man in Jesus' story. What story does our lives tell if we really look at our homes and our wardrobes and our tables and our vehicles and our vacations and then place that alongside our concern and our giving for others? We're bombarded with temptations to be self-indulgent. And deep within us, we certainly desire to be comfortable. Uh, I'd rather be comfortable than miserable any day. We sleep on beds, maybe not beds of ivory, but we don't sleep on the floor. And so choosing some comforts is not wrong, but it is wrong if that's what we live for. And so is our desire for comfort greater than a willingness to love? Are we most concerned with simply pleasing ourselves or following Jesus? The rich man chose himself, probably without even thinking about it, and in doing that, he chose hell. Seems that he was surprised about it. And that should not surprise us in the church. 
because I think most people do not give a lot of thought to such what should be such a basic part of our faith. Because somehow we've gotten sidetracked into thinking that sin is just a few really nasty things. And as long as we avoid those, then we are good people. So that it's hard to discern between good people who go to church and good people out there in the world that almost never give one thought to God. Christian faith, following Jesus, is more than that. God calls us to love as he loves. Yes, we find it easier to just seek our own happiness because there's a brokenness in us ever since the fall, you know, that early teaching that we also believe in. And apart from the grace of God, we're always going to choose our own way. So Jesus gives us this story. And it was in the clutches of hell that the rich man finally understood. So he asked if Lazarus could come back from the dead and go warn his family. He knew that his brothers were caught up in their own pleasures. And he thought that maybe they would be shocked into listening if Lazarus could go back from the dead. One great thing that we can celebrate today, we do celebrate it today as we gather in a Christian church, is that the gospel has granted this rich man's desire. Someone has come back from the dead. Jesus Christ has died for our sins and come back from the dead to show us that there is something beyond the sensory pleasures that try to pull us away. There's something bigger and better than simply trying to keep ourselves happy. And if we believe that, then we are called to follow Jesus, to love the way that he loves. And when we recognize that we have fallen short, we come to him again and say, Lord, I'm sorry, but I want to be more like you. And then we do exactly what you have done today. We come to church. We confess our sins. We come forward in faith and we receive Jesus all over again. And the prayer of our heart would be, Lord, keep my eyes on you. Do not let me just be wrapped up in myself. And if we do that, our story will not be like this rich man. Our story will be one of glorious salvation. Because through Jesus Christ, we can live beyond ourselves. And that is the gospel.